It's time for episode 359 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 12th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we ask four people four questions, and they give us, hopefully, four answers. Otherwise, this show has gone off the rails already. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my co-host, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm doing well, Dan, except that I have to say, I was very honest the time that I forgot to put in an opening line for the show, and someone maybe is not being very honest about that fact. I thought that was a nice bit of improv. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) thanks for calling me out i appreciate it anytime glad to keep you honest well this is as i said the show where we discuss tech topics and we bring on two fantastic guests to do it this week to my left it is my good friend the ceo and lackey of rogue amoeba purveyors of fine audio software and other things it's mr paul kafasis hi paul uh wait a minute what else do we sell you i mean you used to have little like uh you had the plushes Right. That's true. Okay, we've had we've had you t-shirts and such. But yeah, let's mostly we're focused Paul. on the audio software. Okay, mostly audio software. Fine. We're all keeping Dan honest today. I love it. <laughs> That's uh, right. I quit. Let's all call out Dan. <laughs> Laura, you're up. <laughs> to, to my left is the managing editor of iMore and uh, excellent podcaster herself. It is Appaholic, aka Lori Gill. How you doing, Lori? I'm good, Micah. And and Dan, what what am I more than I more? I don't understand. What? <laughs> I didn't even say anything. <laughs> uh, well, let's move right into the topic so we can hopefully get around all this part. Uh, uh, Microsoft and Apple are fighting over the former's cloud gaming service on the latter's store. Uh, they've been firing shots at each other for the last week, arguing about whether or not this service should be allowed on Apple's App Store. And of course, Apple's had lots of antitrust allegations leveled at it from a bunch of people, including the United States Congress. I'm kind of curious, where do you come down on this particular issue of Microsoft and Apple? Do you have a, uh, do you have a uh, horse in this race, Paul? Well, I'm pretty outspoken about the App Store in general and have been for about a decade. So it won't come as any surprise to people that are aware of that, that I'm in favor of Microsoft's position that this should be allowed on the the App Store should be allowed on the phone, I should say. Uh, but if you told me 25 years ago that I was going to be siding with Microsoft over Apple, <laughs> uh, I would have been very surprised. Um, but it's clear to me that in this case, and in many cases, Apple's management of the App Store isn't benefiting customers who can't get this thing that Microsoft is trying to provide. It's not benefiting developers in general, Microsoft and others. And I don't even think it's benefiting Apple in the long term. So uh, I think this is a situation that once again calls for sideloading on the phone and alternate app stores um and yeah it's it's pretty straightforward to me i don't really see any reason uh that this shouldn't be allowed so i get it um in the sense that apple is looking at okay so i think about when we you've got certain guidelines in place and when you start to make adjustments to those guidelines by making exceptions, then looking at it from sort of a lawyer perspective, you've got folks who are looking at precedent. And 
So you want to, in theory, follow the uh, letter of the law so that you can, in future decisions, make that same, uh, come back to that same point and say, look, we didn't allow it then, we won't allow it now, or we did allow it then, and now we'll allow it now. However, this is the future of gaming, and I... It's not as if Apple has written these guidelines in some sort of, I don't know, ancient cuneiform slate <laughs> tablet that will break apart Blood. should they should they make adjustments <laughs> to it. So they can update the guidelines and make room for the future of gaming. So ultimately, that is where I come down to it. Apple, make room for the future of gaming. Lori, what about you? I'm basically in agreement with you two on this one. I, on the one hand, Apple's it's Apple's app store. This isn't government owned. This is their own thing. They get to do what they want. And frankly, they should get a piece of the pie from, you know, to some degree to, you know, have the app store exist. They're the ones that made app stores popular. I get that argument, but they're doing a disservice to their customers and they're doing a disservice to the developers that they claim that they support so much. Um, and in this ca- particular case, especially, it's not even downloading, it's just streaming. So it's literally no different than Netflix. So why Apple would choose to tell a gaming streaming service that they can't be used, but a movie and TV show s- streaming service that they can is beyond me. And I think that they that their their argument against allowing this is watery at best, and they should definitely make a change on this. And just like you're saying, Micah, thing, it, times have changed. It's, t- it's time for Apple to reevaluate their developer guidelines and start making adjustments based on the current situation and current technologies. Oh, so contentious. I can tell we're all coming to log. <laughs> no. Okay. Yes. This, this, I agree with all of you. I think Paul's totally right. This doesn't really help anybody. Maybe Apple in the short term, if it's trying to figure out how to leverage Microsoft for some money, but in the long term, I feel like it's not a huge advantage for them either. And Micah made a great point about the, the, the rules. I love when Apple cites the rules. They're like, oh, our hands are tied. The rules say this. You're like, what? No, that's not how this works. Um, and, and moreover, I think I've said in a couple other places, I enjoyed this thing last year where Apple's like, look at this. You can use your Xbox controller to play games on your iPad mm-hmm. now. Ooh, I can play Xbox games? No, not those games. Um, it's very, very strange. Uh, I think this probably all comes down to money. And I think Microsoft and Apple will snipe at a while at each other for a while, and then we'll come to some agreement. However, that doesn't really solve the bigger underlying issues here, as everybody else has pointed out. Tim Cook went in front of Congress and told everybody with a straight face that the rules are applied evenly to everybody across the board. And while he may believe that, I think that's disingenuous at the best. We saw with that whole Amazon thing a few uh, months back where they started allowing uh, people to rent movies through the Amazon app on the store that the rules are not always evenly applied. And certainly if you're a big company who might have Apple's ear, you've got a lot more advantage there. So... I agree the rules need to be looked at again, and Apple is on the wrong side of this one. Uh, thanks for that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Paul. So I was interested to know what people are thinking about Apple Silicon, Apple Silicon-based machines, which are going to run iOS apps. Uh, so Apple announced that by default, every iOS app will suddenly show up in the Mac App Store, which is going to be more than a little strange. But uh, unless a developer expressly removes the app from that App Store, uh, it'll show up and anyone with a new uh, Apple chip-based machine will be able to download and run these iOS apps. So I'm curious if there are any iOS apps you actually hope to see on the Mac 
and any that you even think you will use on the Mac. Hmm. <laughs> I so this is, this is good answer. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> this is on the face of it, this is not a hard one for me, but I I have to sit and pause and think because of the home app on on macOS. Um, I and how thought, bad it is. Yes, precisely. I thought. I, rem- I mean, Lori can probably attest to this. She probably mm-hmm. remembers me back when I was uh, ho- co-hosting the iMore show, mm-hmm. being super pumped and talking about having home on the Mac, finally, finally, finally. And I thought I would use it all the time, and it's uh, trash. And uh, I do not use it at all, because it's just not great. It's not a great experience. I don't enjoy it. Um, that said followers or listeners of any of the shows I do have probably heard me get excited about the idea of having iOS apps on the Mac and be able to use them. And I think that in in a world where developers are paying attention, closer attention to the uh, to, to an app being on all platforms and how it would work well on the Mac. That is a world that I would love to live in. And when I think of some of the apps that I use on my iOS device that I use for work stuff, where most of what I do is on the Mac, to be able to just pull up that app right there on the Mac and use it, that is, in theory, a very cool thing. So I am hesitant to be super excited about it because when I was super excited about it in the past, it was without good reason. Lori, what are your thoughts? Uh, Pokemon Go. Just kidding. <laughs> Bringing your Mac around. I love carrying my iMac around the streets. That's it. Moving it through the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, on the one hand, I'm excited about this opportunity because it allows developers that can't really they don't have, you know, the bandwidth or the resources to move their app to Mac. It just makes it possible for them to just do that. Um, I, I could see a lot of the little photography apps that maybe they're not, you know, super advanced, but I like a filter that they do. Or there's an app called Long Screen that I use pretty regularly to to post screenshots on iMore. I love this app. And if it was on my Mac... I wouldn't have to use my phone to stitch them together. I could use my Mac to stitch them together. So that's an example of something that I think some apps will definitely work as much as good as I want them to on a Mac. But I know that there's there's going to be a lot of problems where there's going to be certain interfaces that are just going to be weird and awkward and not meant to be that way. So um, yeah, I think. In general, I think photography apps, for t- uh, like f- uh, photo editing apps, right. and um, and some games, some games that are really fun, might also be really fun on a Mac. Though there are there are certain ones that were really built for touch screen and would really not work that great as a as a click screen app. So um, those are probably my two big ones. There's some also like shopping apps like um, Instacart or um, DoorDash or something like that, that if it's just right there on my Mac, if I'm in the middle of the day working, um, I don't have to switch over to my phone. So I can see the benefit of even apps that have not been, um, you know, designed for Mac, uh, just kind of being a fun little window that you can open up and help facilitate your day. 
Yeah, um, don't think it escaped my notice that uh, Micah managed to dodge the question of asking which apps in particular. I'm just no, <laughs> throw him under the bus there. Uh, <laughs> no, I think those are those are good points. I think I think it's a really um, the important one there. I think is there are a lot of companies that would not develop a Mac app. Uh, they just wouldn't devote the time and resources to it. And so having an iOS app there might be better than nothing. Hard to say. I right. mean, I think all those interfa- interface problems will be interesting to see how the hardware and the software deals with that. Uh, I sort of looked through my my home screens to see if there were things on there that I couldn't do on my Mac right now. And the, the two things that jumped out at me, although there are probably some more in here, um, uh, the New York Times crossword app. Uh, there Ooh. doesn't exist on the Mac, exists on iOS, and there's a web version, which is fine. I've used the web version, but it'd be cool to have. Oh, it you got to use Mac. Black Ink from uh, Red Sweater. <laughs> what is this? We're just shilling all our friends. Up? It is a good app. I have Black <laughs> Ink. It's a nice app too. Um, uh, AnyList uh, also has a web version, but not a Mac app, which is something I use for managing my shared grocery list. Grocery list with my wife, um, and then. One on the list that I'm, I'm super curious to see if it makes the jump or not, because it's an Apple app, and though they've said all the iOS apps will be available, shortcuts. Will shortcuts be available oh, on the Mac? I don't know. Mm. It might. It might not. Paul, why don't you wrap us up here? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, I asked this question, and, and I had thought about it, and I did the exact same thing you did, Dan. I looked at my phone, and I realized that one of the things that I do is I pull up Weatherline, which is a weather app, mm. on the phone, and on my Mac, I don't have a weather app. Yeah. I have uh, a temperature uh, indicator in the menu bar and that's it. So that's something that potentially, I, I'm sure that there are decent and even good Mac weather apps out there. I just don't have one. So that's one that if it comes to the Mac, I'll probably pull it up, pull it up on the Mac instead of pulling out my phone. And like Lori mentioned, a couple games, uh, just some little things like uh, there's a new, newish game called Good Sudoku, which mm-hmm. I fiddle with on the phone once in a while and, and could potentially use right on the Mac. It's definitely not something where I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. There's going to be 5 million new apps on the Mac because <laughs> uh, I don't think that many of them are going to be terribly useful uh, on the Mac. I think it's something where it'll be useful to a few people, and that's about it uh, for each individual app. So it's not something that I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to, but I, I will be interested to see if, uh, if it makes things a little bit smoother when it's possible to do this. Oh, you don't use Dark Sky on the Oh, wait. No. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's two topics down, two topics left to go, which, of course, means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by The Uptake from Microsoft, a new show on all things tech and community from Microsoft. Uh, you know, it's fun to find new podcasts to listen to, especially right now when we're all stuck indoors and we need a little distraction from time to time, but it can be hard to find good shows uh, that you actually get interested in. So if you're looking for something uh, new, The Uptake covers topics in the world of tech, as well as how-tos on professional learning, development, and community building. Each episode features members of the tech community. The conversations are pretty fun. Each show has a focused topic, some guest interviews, local and global community news, plus updates on events, conferences, and more when those things are happening once again. <laughs> and just so you have an idea of what to expect, I want to tell you about some of the topics you might be interested in that were on previous episodes. They've talked about personal and career growth, along with imposter syndrome, and a topic they call less code, more power. I listened to a cool episode uh, a little while back that was about taking notes with sketching, uh, sketch noting, sort of like when you're at a talk, and rather than just writing down notes, you make little drawings or little graphs or little stuff, and then you share them. It was really interesting, especially for me as someone who really has no artistic talent whatsoever. I love the idea of people thinking outside the box and finding these interesting ways to uh, you know, diagram information and the like. So go and listen to it now. Just search for The Uptake wherever you get your podcasts. That's U-P-T-A-K-E, or just click the link in the show notes and uh, check it out. 
Our thanks to Uptake and the Uptake and Microsoft for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. Micah, what have you got for us this week? All right, Microsoft has announced the officially has announced the launch date of the Surface Duo. Uh, pre-orders are available now. I, I'm curious, do you think there is a future or a now for foldable devices? Lori, we'll start with you. You know, I go back and forth with it. I think foldable phones are really fun and really cool, but I worry that they're just not user-friendly um, and they're very expensive. So I do, I do think that there's a future for foldables, but I think it's it's not it's still in its gestation period. I think it's going to be another year or two before it becomes ubiquitous, but I do think it will be ubiquitous. And honestly, I do think that it's going to be Apple that makes that happen because the one thing that we realize is that once Apple does it, everybody wants to get on board that same thing. So there's going to be other people who did it first and did a great job with it, but once Apple makes a foldable phone and I think they will, that's when it's going to become ubiquitous. I mean, I think there's clearly a now people are releasing them. So they exist, which is, you know, <laughs> impressive in and of itself. Uh, I agree with Lori that it's too early. These things are expensive because they're the early versions. Uh, the technology is going to get better and better. We've seen a lot of different approaches to how foldable phones work. And I don't think any of them have quite nailed it yet. Um, so I think that's something that people are going to need to continue to investigate is how do you deal with the actual technology, the wear and tear? Uh, do you use plastic coverings, which scratch up more? Do you have the foldable screen on the inside or the outside? I think there's a lot left to figure out. I, I would be shocked if Apple were not working, you know, prototyping something like this just to see what they could do. I, I think that they are absolutely at least looking at the possibility. But, you know, they're a company that doesn't release products until they're very confident that there's something that can actually be shipped and will provide a good experience. So I think that's sort of the big remaining question there is, sure, lots of these people have done it just to prove it can be done, but they're little more than that proof of concept. They're not really devices that have some sort of impressive ecosystem built around them. Well, I, I want to debate one thing, because I'm not sure that there is a now. I have never seen any of these in the real world. <laughs> uh, I, I've certainly seen uh, posts on uh, tech sites mentioning them, but uh, I have not ever seen one. Uh, granted, I have not been in the real world in several months, so <laughs> they might be out there. But uh, I think it's it's pretty clear that there's not a big market for this right now, uh, based on the price, based on the fact that Apple doesn't have one of these. That's a big part of it, certainly in our circles. Uh, but it is interesting to me. I, I've been you know noting these as they come out and thinking, okay, I I would prefer to have a smaller phone, smaller physical device. And yes. I would also always like to have a, a bigger screen. There's nothing, no downside to just having a bigger screen, except for the fact that it takes up more space in your pocket. So if you have something foldable or something, you know, a rollout display, something like that, uh, the benefits are fairly obvious if there are few enough downsides. Dan, you mentioned a bunch of the potential downsides, you know, scratched up screens and uh, creases. The first Samsung one had a ridiculous crease that, yep. uh, you know, had all sorts of issues because, like you said, these are sort of the proof of concepts that are uh, proofs of concept that are being released as products that, uh, again, I'm not sure that many people are buying. But I, I'm definitely interested to see this in the future. And I think Lori made a good point that uh, if and when Apple ships one of these, that's when we know, OK, this is a thing that. 
is is ready for the real world. I would love to see. I'm I'm certain, like you said, Dan, that there is a, a room full of prototypes <laughs> uh, of all sorts of iPhones that are probably terrible, uh, but uh, that there are sort of the nut of a good idea there. And and I sus- I suspect we'll see this in. I don't know, a few years, I would think, but uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see, and I'd be, I'd be glad to see it. It's going to depend on whether this technology can outpace in terms of its ability to become a uh, manufacturing, sort of a, a swift manufacturing, easy manufacturing, and cost-effective manufacturing to the point where these become more purchasable devices for more people, whether that outpaces some technology that could eclipse this. So uh, that's that's how I feel, at least. If fold, I don't know, I don't personally know if foldables is the next big thing in uh, the consumer tech space and specifically in the uh, devices we carry around with us tech space, uh, or if it is a spaghetti project that is uh, got a little bit more starch in it so it sticks to the wall a little longer um and really it's just will it stick to the wall long enough before the next project comes along that i I think would have more starch than this does there's very little starch in the (laughs) foldable uh space in my opinion opinion um so uh, yeah i don't know but thank you for your thoughts on that one. I'm just left confused and full of starch. Lori, <laughs> what is your topic for us? All right. Every time you leave the house, you have to wear a mask. And this assumes that you all have um, face scanner biometrics. So with that in mind, and even if you don't now, if the next phone in the brand that you prefer comes out and it is a fingerprint biometric scanning, not face scanning, would you buy that instead of a more advanced technological or would you would you downgrade from your current face scanning one to one that has uh, fingerprint scanning um, even if the technology isn't as good? This is a good question, and I can tell, as I always uh, do in, in when this kind of topic comes up, that uh, um, I feel like you and, and some of our other panelists live in warmer climates where yeah, a whole bunch of the exactly year, the note Paul, that I Paul and I, as East Coast hardy New Englanders in you know, Boston, exactly, uh, know that at least like six months of the year, you have to like peel off your gloves to use Touch ID anyway. So I mm. think the long and short of it is, if it were cost-effective and user interface uh, reasonable to have both on a device, mm. that would be my preference because then I can choose based on the context I'm in. And I usually have been very pleased with Face ID. Obviously, I think nobody really anticipated this. So, you know, we're in uncharted territory as far as using it, wearing masks, though I'm sure people, you know, many doctors and hospitals and stuff, people who previously were wearing a lot of masks ran into this issue a lot more. Um, so I feel like I would, I'm not sure I would trade directly back to a uh, touch ID sensor, but I certainly see an appeal in a, in a system that is more versatile and perhaps let me use both. So you, I mean, this is exactly what, what everything you said is, is pretty much what I was thinking. Uh, so I guess let me, let me pivot a little bit. Uh, do you think, uh, that Apple's next phone coming in the next couple months that they could have turned around and re-added touch ID and kept face ID, uh, or is it more likely that, uh, it's too late and we're stuck with whatever they had? Uh, I suspect that 
uh, it's too late. But I, as you said, I would love to have a phone that had both so that I had the option of uh, using my fingerprint in the summer when I'm wearing a mask and in the winter uh, using Face ID when hopefully we no longer need masks. Uh, yeah. Can we go back to that? Um, so, Lori, if I take your original question and sort of honor it in the sense that you get one or the other, but you don't get both, um, I'm sticking with Face ID. I use Face ID every day, all the time at home, and I spend most of my time at home. So if you're not going out, then you don't need to use Face ID while your mask is on as often, and therefore you can uh, take care of that from home. But some people have to go out. Uh, I occasionally have to go out myself. Uh, Some people are what someone has deemed necessary workers, so they have to go into work. And so I understand that there are places where uh, face ID is necessary. And in those cases, yeah, it kind of stinks. And I bet that some of those people wished that they had Touch ID instead. Um, But for me, I am okay with uh, face ID being a thing. But if I dishonor your original question (laughs) for a moment, I have to think of my pal Renee Ritchie, who for the longest time has been trumpeting the idea of a all-inclusive biometric. It's constantly using information to continually identify that you are you and confirm that you are you. It would understand your gait, which the Apple Watch can already do. Uh, It would over the course of the day, as you're touching the screen in different places, be able to determine that your fingerprint is yours. It would uh, potentially hear your voice and know that it's you. All of these things work together to constantly be confirming that you are you, and then your device never has to be locked in the first place, as long as you are the one who is using it. Um, I love that idea as the future of, of, of this kind of technology. And in that way, a face mask doesn't get in the way of you being able to get to your device. Lori, why don't you wrap us up? Yeah. So I actually brought this question up because I was, I'm lucky to have been able to actually experience this. When the pandemic started, I was using a face ID, um, iPhone 11, and I actually ended up with the iPhone 11, uh, the iPhone SE two, and I love it and it's fingerprint and it has less, the technology is less advanced. And the way I use a phone, so not everyone's going to be the same as me, but from the way I use a phone, I am so happy that I have touch ID when I have to go out, which again, like, like you, Micah, I don't have to go out that much, but when I do, I am almost proud that all I have to do is touch my finger to my phone instead of having to swipe up and swipe up again <laughs> and then type something in because I'm not going to touch my face to pull the mask down. But there's always that that moment where when you're using using Face ID or, or any face scanning um, system, you, you, it stutters. You have to stop for a second. You have to remember your password. You have to log in. And with fingerprint scanning, I've just done. It's there. So for me, yes, I actually... You know, in hindsight of having done this, I would downgrade to a touch touch ID or or touch scanning um, device at least in the interim, and you know, a, a less expensive phone. You know, it, depending on how how inexpensive it is, just having it as a secondary phone for this exact reason for four to six to eight to twelve months of 
uh, mask wearing, it's right there for you. Then you can go back to the more advanced phone, you know, after after the face mask wearing situation is over. Fingers crossed. All right. That mm. is four topics down. We've got just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we do, I actually want to tell you about something a little bit new happening here at Clockwise. Now, we've always been a 30 minute show. And that means sometimes, unfortunately, things get left on the cutting room floor. So we're announcing a new thing today that we're calling Clockwise Unwound. And that's for people who are supporters of the show. If you go to relay.fm slash clockwise, you can see where you can sign up to be a supporting member of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year. That's always been there as an option, but we wanted to offer something a little extra for people who support the show. So going forward, starting today... You'll get a bootleg version of the show that's uploaded directly after we record, which includes uh, basically anything that might get cut out of the final show because of time, including a little conversation with our guests before and after, just our our normal chit-chat. So essentially, it's kind of what you're hearing on the live stream right now if you're listening, but you can listen to it anytime. So again, go to relay.fm slash clockwise to sign up for Clockwise Unwound. We really appreciate your support, and we love that you listen to the show. All right, bonus topic this week. What's the most essential part of your morning routine, Paul? All, all that I can come up with is, is Folgers crystals, <laughs> which, which I don't, oh, I don't no, even drink Paul. coffee. And I know that that is terrible coffee, but I've always, uh, now I just have the jingle of the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, which I think is like the least true thing in the world. Uh, so yeah, that's what I got. Folgers crystals. The best part of I, waking up is throwing Folgers away. Um, no, mine would have to be brushing my teeth. I just, I feel fresh and I feel good when I brush my teeth. And yeah, I don't know. That's mine. Coffee, 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 coffee. My coffee goes, it self turns on at 6am. I'm drinking coffee by 6.05. It's hard to tell. You sound very uncaffeinated. <laughs> Similarly, yes, my my cup of tea, which starts at around seven in the morning, uh, yeah, my that's basically without that, I'm non-functional for a big chunk of the day. So, (laughs) clockwise runs on tea, and apparently also coffee sometimes. That is the end of our show this week. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guests, Paul Cafasas. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, and Lori Apaholic Gill. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Micah, we will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. Keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.